Amen, he appears I believe in Joe Hendry I believe in Joe Hendry Cause they love him in London and Paris and Tokyo Hello, welcome to that 90s Wrestling Podcast Today's special guest, uh, apparently if you say his name, he will appear The one and only, the prestigious one, Mr. Joe Hendry How you doing, Joe? I'm doing very well, I'm doing very well like that intro You said the name, here I am that's right. Um, he, uh, four-year-old, he's just gone to sleep now, but he absolutely loves the song. He was hoping to stay up to uh, talk oh, to you. <laughs> I feel terrible now. Uh, we had that. We had a little delay there. Do you want me to say hello now? Oh, so if you want to say hello to Sammy. Go for it, uh, go for it. Well, I'll give Sammy. Come here quick. <laughs> this, this is his first time on the show, by the way, only for you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. All right. Let's come here quick. <laughs> All right. You know what's sick. Is this is this Sammy? Yeah. Hello, Sammy. How are you? Good. I love those jammies, Sonic jammies. I need to get myself a pair of those. Those are. Uh, I'm a big Sonic fan myself. What's your favorite Sonic game? You can say you like your song. I like your song. What's that? I like your song. Oh, you like my song? You like my song? Is that... Yeah. Oh, excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. You go to bed now, yeah? See ya. <laughs> That's his uh, first uh, cameo on the uh, podcast. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there you true. go. I tell you what, those are some cracking Sonic jammies. I need to get myself some, some more Sonic merch. Oh, my kids are mad on Sonic and uh, Super Mario. They just love it. And when the Sonic movie came out, they were just yeah, all over that's it. it. That's it. Game over. Sega, Nintendo, they know what they're doing. Cool. So I suppose talking about childhoods, uh, we'll get into yours. I would, uh, I would <laughs> imagine you was a fan of wrestling growing up. Actually, no. Actually, no. no. Believe it or not, I didn't get... So as a kid, no, because I didn't have Sky. So I didn't yes. get to see it. The only time that I got a glimpse of it was when... Um, the was when Cartoon Network would change into you probably know what I'm going to say, don't you? When Cartoon Network would change into uh, into what was the channel called again? You tell me out here. Uh, was it was, uh, TNT. Yeah, TNT. It was that TNT, was it, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah. it was like at the time that was before the internet. So when you see Cartoon Network turn into TNT, you're like, what is this? This is this is they've taken over the channel, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> And I remember uh, very little about seeing wrestling as a kid. The only thing that I can remember was hating Ric Flair. Hating right. Ric Flair as a kid. So he was obviously good at his job because Ric Flair is, you know, in my top three wrestlers ever. Uh, yeah. Ric Flair is one of my favorites, taking huge influence from him. But he was that good at his job that he made a non-fan hate him when he was a bad yeah. guy. So I was very impressed. I, uh, I got into wrestling about sort of 13 14 i started getting interested and then by 15 it was just you know eat sleep and breathe pro wrestling and never changed since awesome and uh, i feel i got this right job been watching some of the interviews you've done previous and before you started your training um you was it a musician was that right yeah yeah that's true um so i started music again when i was 15 this um, yeah. I'm starting to realize this 15 was a was a formative year for me. So yeah, yeah, I started uh, doing music at, at the age of 15. Um, I was a musician. Um, that was kind of my main thing until I turned just turning 25. You know, yeah. I love music, and I, I still I was working on music tonight. I you know I, I love it. It's still a big part of my life. But wrestling was really the main passion. I just didn't really have the balls to do it. 
And then yeah. when I was about to turn 25, I was like, right, okay, if I'm going to do it, it's going to have to be now. So then I just kind of, you know, made it my life. And uh, here we are. Yeah. And uh, some of your trainers uh, training, like some of the big guns, uh, Brookside, yeah. Killian Dane, or Big Damo, as we mm. call him. Uh, what was it like training underneath these guys? Oh, it was, I mean, it's, it's, in one sense, it's like it's ludicrous the quality of the training that I got right at the start. You know, to give you an idea, um, when Robbie Brookside first came to the school, I think that was when he was just about signing with WWE. So he was able to finish yeah. up doing this training stuff. So I got uh, across two separate weeks, but I got two full time weeks. And I'm talking Monday to Sunday from, you know, like midday to like 10 p.m on all those days so if you think about it a regular training session is maybe like two three maybe four hours max something like that whereas i was getting you know 10 hours with robbie brookside yeah. every day and there was only you know like three four other people in the class sometimes you know sometimes it was really busy but not all the time so right. i feel like i got a real and also you know the other coaches were at source as well were a huge part of that as well um they really not only they they prepared me for not only the physical aspects of the business but the mental aspects of the business um and i feel like marty jones helped me put a sort of british spin on the stuff i was doing you know he taught me like how to do his palm strike and stuff like that so there are little things that i got from marty as well that's why i always kind of cite him as one of my four main coaches you know cool and uh before we get to icw i noticed you had a couple of uh guest spots in wwe uh one time was a rose, uh, rosebud, and uh, the other time was a Russian diplomat. So, how did that come about? Well, I've actually been a rosebud seven times, believe it or not. Seven times. Seven right? times, yeah. So it was on a, a Raw, a SmackDown, and um, uh, five live tour dates actually. So, right. um, and one of them we carried Vicky Guerrero around the ring, and you know she was really cool. Um, what else? So with the the Rusev thing, that was nuts, you know. I've, I've told this story before, but I think someone else was kind of supposed to be doing that job. And then um, they'd come in and they'd like shave their head for it and all that. And so someone said to me, oh, bring your red tie tomorrow. And I think they told the wrong person. So I brought a red tie. And then they asked, oh, where are my Russians at? And I thought, oh, well, he, he must mean, uh, he said something like, have the Russians got their red ties? Where are my Russians at? And I was like, oh, that must be me then. So I put my hand yes. up. And uh, yeah, they they brought me down to the ring, and they they got a bunch of us to read out um, to to do a promo like in that voice, and I did it. And um, you know, I didn't know this, but Vincent Mann was watching, and uh, he was like, "I want I want that guy to do it." So that's how that happened. So I actually, it's pretty cool, I guess, indirectly. Well, I, it, through a producer, I guess I've you know cut a promo and received critique from Vince McMahon. So there you go. Awesome, and. Uh... You've done ICW, and uh, one of your first feuds, you could say, was with Big Damo, and uh, yeah. obviously Killian Dane, like mm -hmm. a lot of WWE fans know him these days. What's it like working Damo? I mean, he's one of the best. Yeah, I think with um, with Damo, the the great thing about training under Damo, um, again, he, he was one of my four coaches, and yeah. the thing about Damo that was great was he helped me prepare for the psychological side of the business. So right. he would kind of, you know, give me the real scoop on what was going on um, and you know i think demo's style was the perfect person for me to be working with at that time because you know a lot in rest when you're starting 
you know, if there's, you know, 50 super kicks and 20 dives and all that, it's like, it's, it can be quite overwhelming for someone new in the business, whereas Damo's style, he's, you know, a powerhouse, a brawler, that sort of thing. And it just working with him, it really allowed me to focus on doing my best rather than trying to think like, Oh, what am I going to do next? You know? (laughs) So it was good to have a familiar face in there with you for sure. Cool. And what other companies, like, you seem to have had a fun time with, unfortunately, it's gone by the wayside. Uh, what Culture Pro Wrestling or Divine Wrestling eventually mm-hmm. became. And, uh, I mean, I suppose one of the matches that put you on the map was your match against Kurt Angle. So, oh, yeah. What, yeah. what was it like being part of that organization, but also wrestling one of the greatest of all time? I mean, what Culture was just, I think I've I've been very lucky in that I've been able to be a part of almost like a movement in in wrestling on a kind of on a, an indie level but to be part yeah. of you know i had that with icw and then i had that again so it's almost like you know they say it was it you can't uh capture lightning in a bottle or lightning doesn't strike twice well i feel like it did for me because you know yeah. i had icw and then i just felt like even you know no matter how over i got with the entrances and stuff like that i felt like there was a ceiling for me and ICW, so I felt, you know, and some life's just like that. Sometimes you've got to move around to move up. So I really believed that I could be a main eventer. Um, yeah. And it was down to me to to prove that, you know. So that's why I kind of focused on, um, in 2016, I went and did a Ring of Honor tryout. That's how I opened, my, opened the door there for myself. And also that's when I started working with uh, Watt Culture. And I offered to go down and do promos. I was never supposed to be in the main event. Um, right. But because they needed to build a story, uh, they were like, well, I guess Hendry's here. Uh, you know, Rampage is here. Let's, you know, we've got stuff from Demo as well. He was there. So let's build that initial main event scene around there. And it was a real sink or swim uh, situation for me. And I did some swimming and I did some sinking, you know. But uh, <laughs> thankfully, uh, you know, the, the thing with the Kurt match was nuts because Kurt and I had spoke on DM and he was just the greatest, you know. Uh, he reached out because um, a fan asked me who my dream match was and I said to him and he actually reached out and said, you know, basically if you work hard, you can make these things happen, you know. And um, I was like, wow. And he was like, I know who you are. You're not ready for it yet, but just keep doing what you're doing. And then what culture tried to book him and uh, he said he said no. And then I actually contacted Kurt and says, you know, I think I could find a, you know, a financier to, to wrestle each other if, if you'd be up for it. And he was like, all right, here's here's what we need. Here's when it would need to be, da da da, da. And then I went back to Walt Culture and I says, listen, um, I know you tried to book Kurt Angle. If I bring him in, I need to wrestle him and I need your word on that. And they were like, yeah, all right. So I, I kind of got the ball rolling. That's the boldest thing I've ever done in wrestling. Wow. And uh, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes... Yeah. Like I say, that opportunity, if I hadn't have said to Kurt, you know, taking that chance and gone, you know, if I got if I got a financier, could, would you be up for this? It's Without that conversation, it never would have happened. It's like that butterfly yeah. effect thing. That are, you have to be bold at certain times. You have to pick that's your true. spots. But when you've earned favor, that's I've learned. I've learned over time. When you're new in a company, you have to establish yourself. You can't use that in it right off the bat. You have to gain some some favor and then go in with the big idea or the big pitch once you've established yourself and you've proven yourself yeah that's awesome and uh one of the big guys your fellow countryman uh you thought was uh in what culture was the current WWE champion drew galloway yeah. as yeah drew mcintyre but he'll always be drew galloway to us yeah. uh mm-hmm. what's it like wrestling him and also seeing the success he's having at the minute 
the way I say the way I say it is this: is Drew was our Undertaker. So yes. when people talk about the Undertaker being a locker room leader, the example Drew was that he was a class act in and out of the ring. There was no better representative for British wrestling, and it was better when he was here. It the it it wasn't the same when he left. You know, nah. he lifted that entire scene. And the thing about Drew is he can have match of the night. He can have an amazing match with anybody. At the time, I was very inexperienced. You know, I had when I started wrestling Drew, I'd only really been on shows for two and a half years. I'd only been, and it had been, so me and Drew started working together, I think in 20, yeah, 2016 yeah. in Walt Culture. And I started training in 2013 and I debuted right at the end of 2013. So I really only had two years show experience and drew was able to bring not you know not bring me up to his level but he was able to bring me up a level or two to be able yeah. to hang with him and that was all him that was doing that but it you know there's some people you work with and you just get better and i think kurt and drew are the two big ones but the thing about drew is he can have a great match with anyone from will osprey to goldberg anyone yeah Cool. And uh, one of the things uh, you went on to do as well was uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, using there for about a year and uh, working the uh, well, great program with Grado and Katarina, which fun, I love. It's loved. funny you mentioned that. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm just going to say it's funny how perception becomes reality because actually I was only with Impact from, I think, July to September wow, is when longer. I rec- yeah, so it was three months, and it was like four shows, maybe something like that. Right. Um, and I just didn't have a visa, so and it, you know, it. I just got to a point where I felt like, you know, I didn't know how long it was going to be to get that. I was just in a spot where I was like, you know what, I feel I, I really liked working, you know, at, at Impact. It was a lot of fun. I really liked. Um, I thought. Uh, management there were cool but i just felt like i could contribute on a higher level and that's why i was yeah. like i need to just you know you know it's just that that's how it is it's the same thing as icw i just felt like i can i can i feel like i can do more so yeah. that's why i thought i'm going to become a free agent i'm gonna get in the best shape i can get in and then i really did change my physique and then that's when i went to ring of honor once i took you know six months away to just get in the best shape I could, improve my wrestling as much as I could, just make myself as much of an asset as possible. Um, but it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, working with Grado. Uh, Katarina was fantastic. She was yeah. such a pro. Like she just some people with the entrances they don't get it. They're they're crybabies about it, you know. And there were a few across the years, yeah. but Katarina got it. You know what I mean? She was she knew what that spot was she knew what the fans wanted to see and she actually thanked me for making a song about her whereas most people you know <laughs> a lot of people are like what you know where she she was knew that was going to help get the segment over so that was a lot of fun um but it's interesting how a lot of the fans sometimes think oh joe kind of failed an impact and it's like i was there for three shows you know what i mean it's like it's, yeah you're kind of good so it's, it's interesting how perception becomes reality but yeah I was only able to wrestle for them in Canada and Mexico because I didn't have a visa. So that's right. why I was only there for like three, maybe four months max. And then after that, I was running their Twitch channel for a while. And that's when we, we parted ways. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's just because the anger is so embedded into my brain. <laughs> Let's go I, with I, that. Let's go with yeah, that. That makes me felt, feel good. <laughs> it felt like I loved it. And like, you know, the end up you, you know, uh, basically rejecting them. You're like, no, 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 I'm keeping with Grado. 
Uh, absolutely loved it. <laughs> the, uh, do you know what's funny? I felt bad because uh, Paul Birchill, believe it or not, was one of my favorite wrestlers when I first started getting into wrestling because I discovered FWA and I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. And uh, I felt bad throwing him under the bus in, in you know, in one of those videos for Katarina, okay. but it had to be done. Had to be done. <laughs> uh, it was a laugh. Cool. And uh, before you made your way back to Ring of Honor, uh, World of Sport, and, uh, you know, you've done a few shows there. So, obviously, I don't know what the situation with it is. I, I can't imagine it's coming back. But what was your time like during there? Oh, I mean, much like Impact, it was like, it was a lot of fun. It was like, the thing yeah. about World of Sport was, um, you know, I think pretty much everyone was, um, oh, I probably shouldn't say that, but like, I was going to, Basically, let's put it this way. In it's because it was like a TV production. It was like from a different perspective. So basically, it there really wasn't like a distinction of okay, so you're a top talent, you're a mid card, you're an undercard. It was like no matter what spot you had on the show, we were all we were all valuable, and it was it was just an interesting way to produce wrestling as strictly as like. ITV TV. Yeah. It was a very different feel. Uh, product wise, I kind of, you know, person. My personal preference is, you know, I prefer what I'm doing in Ray of Honor for sure. Like I feel yeah. like that. That for me, it has the, the. It gives me that ability to have a creative edge and be creative in the way that I want to. Whereas like, ITV was kind of you knew what the job was. It was like Saturday Night Telly. It was, you know, it's it's a show, right? But yeah. it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about TV. I got to, you know, go on Dermot O'Leary's show and to promote it, I went on this morning. You know, it's like I, I'd, I really had a lot of fun with being on TV and radio promoting that. I felt like we were, you know, I I feel like we were treated pretty well. And uh, I, I don't know what will happen with it. You know, if, if, hey, if it comes back, that means there's more jobs for people here in the UK who aren't signed. So I, yeah. I would love there to be more wrestling opportunities for people. But World of Sport was a great learning experience for me. And it was a lot of fun. That, that, those tours were just, honestly, some of those live shows that we did, the one in Blackpool was just bouncing. Like, honestly, oh, yeah. like it was rammed. And we knew there and then they were like, we knew if this gets picked up, this is going to become huge because the shows yeah. were just packed. And I mean packed. So it was very interesting because really ICW, what culture, like um, it's very, they're, they're very much like sort of more adult or like teenage products. Whereas like World of Sport was a kid's product. So I got yeah. a chance to see what it was like to on a smaller scale, but to do what, you know, big stars in the business have done by doing like the appearances and the signings and stuff. And that's like, it was actually a great experience for me going into Ring of Honor because what I found about Ring of Honor is it's a, a straight mix. So it's like, there's there's older fans, there's teenagers, there's kids, there's all that. And before the pandemic, we did, you know, honestly, like Ring of Honor did hospital visits before every show, pretty that's much right. every show. And I don't, you know, I love... Like Ring of Honor, I feel like they're, they they do a lot of good work in the community as well. We went out to schools, like you know, we we just we went out and played basketball with a bunch of kids at this after school club once. Just Ring of Honor just sends their their people out to do that. Obviously, we can't do it because of the pandemic, but that really became a fun part of the job. You felt like like we were going into these schools, 
And we were going in and they just asked us to speak to the kids for an hour. And it'd be like, all right, let, let's do it. And you talk to the kids about goal achievement. And you think, God, I'm making a difference here. And I think World of Sport um, sort of prepared me for that yeah. side of things. Um, but yeah. Awesome. And uh, speaking of Ring of Honor, and uh, I spoke to your former rival, Shane Taylor, and we have to bring up the matchup for your call for the oh, yeah. TV title. And me and Shane spoke about it. He said how much he loved that show and the fans. He's like, F you, Shane. F you, Shane. He yeah. said, I never had such a better time. So what was it like on your side working that match? It's so weird. Like me and Shane just seem to have this chemistry where it's yeah. like, I remember we first wrestled each other. And I think it was in Chicago when we first wrestled each other. And we came away from the match thinking, ah, oh, it wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't the best. You know, we're thinking, oh, we, you know, it wasn't, wasn't as good as it could have been or whatever. But then we started to look online and people started to talk positively. About it and we're like, huh. And then it happened more and more and more. And then we were like, oh, maybe maybe we've got something here. And then you rewatch it and you go, oh, yeah. I don't know what we were what we were thinking, thinking that wasn't, you know, as good as it could have been. And then so I think maybe because of that, we got the, the title match in London. And yeah. something just clicked that night, you know. Yeah. Something just clicked that night. Um, that was... Uh, you know, quite a moment. It was it was really fun. It was really, really fun. And um it's a big challenge. You know, Shane's Shane's uh he's he's uh he's a force to be reckoned with. He's he's a big yeah. athlete as well. So to power him up for the, the follow-away driver, that was that that took some uh, some strength, but the audience lifted me up to do it. Um but yeah, that I, I think that's probably my best performance in Ring of Honor, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's among that. Yeah, a I, match. you know the thing is like here. Here's the thing: I can't be there right now. Right, I can't be yeah. there in Ring of Honor. So right now, I don't. I don't see myself as an active wrestler at the second because I can't wrestle right now. So what right. I'm doing right now is I'm an analyst for Ring of Honor. I do Technique Tuesdays every week. We break down the show. So I guess what I'm saying is, when I become a wrestler again, I've got no problem slapping Shane in the face, punching him in the <laughs> face, kicking him in the face, whatever it needs to happen, because he'll return the favor. But while I'm not able to wrestle, I will give credit where credit's due. And I really do I, I I have really been enjoying watching the ascension of Shane Taylor's career because yeah. he has just unapologetically been himself. And that authenticity makes people it it gravitate towards you. And I've yeah. watched this process. Um, obviously he's had a long career but really i think he's just everything is clicking for him he's he's going down this path and people are just getting behind him and his vision and his message and it really feels like this is his time so i'm very excited to see what happens with him and roosh but hey don't get me wrong that's enough putting shane over the moment i'm active and i can get back over there i'll be you know i'll be gunning for whatever title he's holding or opportunity he's got but for now credit to shane taylor yeah, and uh, unfortunately, COVID did put a stop to things. But before it did, like your tag work with uh, Dalton Castle, who's one of my favourites. Uh, how much fun did you have, like tagging with uh, Dalton? Yeah, it's thanks, James. I appreciate that. It's um, it the cool thing about working with Dalton is we have opposite ways of looking at things, yeah. complete opposite. So his, uh, I'll give you an example. So we did a, there was a scene where me and him are sitting on the couch. And we just start laughing without saying any words. We just start laughing. And, you know, it, I've just always looked at comedy in one way and he's looked at it in another. So the cool thing was like, so we're doing this thing where we're just laughing at each other. It's, it was actually inspired by a Tenacious D 
scene from their um, HBO series where they're sitting on the couch. Have you seen it before? Yeah. They're congratulating themselves after the gig and they're like, we rocked. We did that that thing. But by the end of it, it's actually genuine laughter for me because we're talk- I know he's going to do something to make me laugh. And uh, Is this audio or video, by the way? Uh, both. Okay, so I'll do it for for the people watching. But like, um, I'm I'm like, okay, what what are you gonna do? He's like, ah, I'll think of something. And I'm just like, all right. So we start, and then he just goes, hey, check this out. And he goes, that was it. That was it. But that to me was funnier than anything that would have been over the top. So I just start losing it, and I'm laughing for real. And then he's laughing in my face, and we're laughing back and forth, and it was very genuine. So he will catch me off guard with things that you know i just would never have thought of so i think you know our we have very different types of charisma and i think they complement each other well and it's just sad because i think at the start you know we were very set on doing our own thing you know and we it was like we were two singles wrestlers and we were teaming out of necessity right but then i think as we got to know each other a little better and we started working together we really started to get into a groove and we started to find out where we slotted in in the various matches like you know well i know i know now Dalton's going to do this bit i'm going to come in i'm going to hit the double fall away i'm going to do this bit so we started to get into a real groove and when covid came along it was the night we were supposed to wrestle the briscoes and we'd been picking up some wins picking up some steam we had some really good performances up until that and um i thought to myself i was like i feel like tonight's the night tonight is the night we're going to legitimize ourselves in the tag team division. This is going to lift their career to another level. And then COVID hit that day. And it was yeah. just that day, that day. It was, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. What? I, I don't know if you know, Joe, I don't know if you have, you know, privileged to say what Stoughton's contract stats at the minute. Is he re-signed or is he free agent? Because I'm hearing mixed reports. So what is the status? Do you know? I, to be honest with you, that is, I would never speak on, um about someone else's business yeah um, so i'd probably i would leave that um i would leave that answer to him if you get the chance to interview him yeah, um, no but whatever you know don's a great guy like he is yeah. a great guy he's a great human being and i want nothing but good things for him and you know i hope that like put it this way i feel like you know it would be sad if he if he wasn't in ring of honor because I feel like we it's like you put so much into something and it's like at least if you you know I can't be there right now but if I could it's like it's so you know you could have that finality to whatever we were doing or we could tell that story that we wanted to tell but sometimes you know it's the the business is what it is and it's you know it's like say it's uh it's that thing stone cold says it's uh the business is a machine and you're a cog in that machine and right now this cog is stuck in scotland you know so it's you can't expect dalton to make career decisions based on me being over here at the moment so i'll respect and support whatever he wants to do but i genuinely think it would be an i i would love for him to stay in ring of honor but that is you know i i actually genuinely don't i'm not privy to information and to be honest with you i'd i'd don't want to because that's his that's his decision i'll respect whatever he does awesome and uh, we're coming to the end joe but a couple of questions and they always it. get asked so we're not a pg show you can say whatever you want so <laughs> the two questions is uh what's your favorite rib you've seen or been part of <sighs> favorite rib so <laughs> so i'll tell you one um it's it's so funny so we're on the bus 
for Fight Forever promotions, and I'm fast asleep with my mouth open, right? Now, I, I'm just going to preface this. I do not smoke, right? right? I do not smoke. So this makes no sense, right? I don't smoke anything, right? So we're on the bus, and so I, I'm not going to name who because they're, they're on television a lot. Yeah. Someone makes a, you know, let's just say a cigarette-looking device and puts it in my mouth, right? And I'm fast asleep. And I just, like, in my sleep, start smoking this this kind of fake <laughs> cigarette that they've rolled up. And someone's filming me. And it's literally just me fast asleep with this kind of, you know, this, this roll-up, like, on my lip. And I'm kind of, like, trying to, like, I don't know if I'm trying to eat it or trying to. And they're just filming, making an absolute film of myself. Drool's going everywhere. Everybody's laughing. Like, and it was uh, so people... <laughs> So they made memes of it, and it's the one where the the shades come in, and it's uh, you know, <laughs> that Dr. Drezog's play, is playing, and all that. People made remixes of it, so it was highly embarrassing, but it was extremely funny. So, um, awesome. yeah. So I'd say that was that was probably the best rib that was that was one of the best ribs that was ever played on me. Uh, that was very funny. That's when ribs are funny. When when they're funny, they're funny. Yeah. You know what I mean. Awesome. I was going to say, what was your favorite road story as well? But I suppose that kind of answers it as well, unless you've got another one you oh, can think of. Let me think of that. See, this is tough when you're on the spot. I'm sure there's there's so many that I could think of. I mean, I'll remember. Um, oh, I, I just remember we were wrestling at um, NGW, and I can't, uh, I won't say who it was, but actually, this is a fond memory I've got of uh, Lionheart, actually. So yeah. me and him were, I think, tag champs at the time in NGW, and at the start of the match, <laughs> he's uh, we've done the Irish whip, uh, you know, so he's whipped, or it's something like that. For some reason, our opponents were running to separate ropes. I was yeah. to turn around and face one, he was going to turn around and face the other one. <laughs> and my opponent went to hit the ropes, and he just went right through them. <laughs> and it was like, so I was just like, oh my God, what are we going to do? So me and him were just creasing like can't continue with the match it's like it's it wasn't and the reason it was funny it was just visually very funny like yeah. for me it's like when someone is visually there and half a second later they're not there that's just very funny to me it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like a, oh and there they go it was like bye i don't know if you've ever seen that clip um it's from uh wwf back in like 96 or something and someone goes for like uh Someone jumps. And I think they try and catch the ropes, but they just go straight through it, like just, right. just like a basketball through the hoop. I, I wish I could remember the clip, but it was just like that. Someone went to hit the ropes. I'm expecting to hit a move when they come back, or they're going to attack me or whatever. I think they were going to hit something really cool, like they were going to do a hurricane run or something like that. The crowd's ready for it. Hits the ropes. He's disappeared. You know, he's just gone through a portal. So that was, uh, you know, probably not doing it justice. It was pretty funny. I'll try and. Trying to think if I've got any others. Uh, I, I mean, there, um, there's bound to be so many. I mean, there's. Uh, oh, I need to come back to you on that one. I'll, do you know what? I'll need to prepare a few road stories because that is a, that's a question I should have some answers to. Ah, oh, it's okay. I spoke to uh, Doug Williams and it, he managed to think of one. He's like, I've got so many James, but I can't, on the spot, I can't think of them. But yeah. he said, next time we do another one, he said, I'll definitely get all these stories ready for you. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, thank you so much for your time, Joe. But before we leave, where can everyone yep. find you on social media? So um, so for me, it's, uh, you know, on Twitter, it's uh, at Joe Hendry. Um, 
Instagram at Joe Henry as well. Um, and I guess the main thing to look out for me just now is I've got a so the show Technique Tuesdays that I do with Ring of Honor, it's on a Tuesday, obviously. <laughs> it's on the Ring of Honor YouTube channel. So go check that out. And uh, yeah, it'd be really appreciated. We break down wrestling in a very scientific way. So if a move has its groundings and its foundations in judo or jiu-jitsu or freestyle wrestling, we kind of break that down in detail. And we talk about like, you know, sometimes the physics of a wrestling move, why it's effective or why you would do this grip instead of that grip. So if you're a real geek, for wrestling like I am, I would recommend that show. Um, and yeah, just a uh, shop honor as well. Um, go check. They've kind of redone the merch site. It looks awesome. Um, yeah. But for anyone who wants to know more about the business and becoming a wrestler, I've got a podcast called Wrestling University with Dr. Oh, cool. Tom Pritchard. So nice. um, go go check that out. We've got about 15 awesome. episodes or so, so far. Awesome. So yeah, Jeff, thanks very much. And hopefully, I mean, we're all in the same boat with COVID, but hopefully it passes over and... Uh, get you back in the states and yes that's seeing you back on tv sounds good mate sounds good all right cheers thanks so much. hey everyone thanks for checking out the interview hope you enjoyed it joining me next week we have uh, one of the unsung heroes from women's wrestling former wwe women's champion candace michelle in this chat we talk about her joining wwe deep search contest her feud with Tori Wilson and uh, her segments with Vince McMahon and yeah, her becoming champ and her unfortunate injury that led to her retirement. So yeah, thanks again for checking us out. Please like, comment, share and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.